Hey y'all and welcome back to a new episode of Jezebel Goes to Seminary. I'm happy you're here and I'm excited for today's conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. It is between myself and a fellow sojourner. So enjoy and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. So you are like me in your first year of the divinity school theology yep, seminary yep, like which word do yep, you want to use there's i don't know so many names and i cycle between all of them uh i really have no idea what we're doing <laughs> oh man it's been such a long journey and it, it's almost a journey of like where do i even begin i ended up here really just through people, years of people, multiple people, lots of mentors and friends and whatnot, kind of putting it on the table for me. I kind of shared who I was and what I wanted to do with people. And people in turn said back to me like, oh, you're going to go to divinity school or you're going to go to seminary. Like that's, that's what you're going to do. And so like me, of course, I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know my life. (laughs) I was very um, not into the idea, not open to it for a long while. What kept you from doing, or like, what kept you from the idea of pursuing it, or and what did they mean when they when you said that that people just kind of knew that that's where you were gonna go? And I guess like, how did that make you feel, like unsettled, or I'm not yeah. sure if you feel like a type of way when others are are saying to you like, I know what you're gonna do with your life, and I'm gonna tell you exactly how mm-hmm. to get there. Yeah, I have always kind of had hangups with Christianity, as many of us do. Um, yeah, I wasn't immersed in it like a lot of people grow up being exposed to Christianity. And so when I went to college and undergrad and ended up doing religious studies, it was kind of a surprise to me as well. But at that time, I was kind of in my very not religious, like almost militantly atheist phase. I was like, fuck religion, like it's ruining the world, like this is just dividing people, so on and so forth. And so, yeah, those hangups, I was carrying all that with me of like, I, I have a complicated relationship with this, and I don't know if if seminary, you know, diving into it is what I want to do. And I think, going back to your other question of what was it that people were seeing in me, um, mm-hmm. I think that's something I'm still kind of trying to figure out. Um, I think it was probably the the pastor-like qualities I have in me of wanting to uh care i'm really interested in care and healing and talking and listening conversations just like seeing people seeing people and and what do you yeah what do you mean by seeing people because it's obvious that people were seeing you if they were coming Mm -hmm. to you with these ideas of of where you should go next and that i feel like is such a it's a really powerful thing in undergrad because you are Mm -hmm. so, and I don't know about your experience in undergrad, but I didn't have a model to go off of. Like no one in my family had really gone to college. So I didn't really have anybody there that um, or outside of undergrad to guide me. Mm -hmm. And so how did that kind of, yeah. How did that affect where you're at now? Like, what does that, what does that mean for you? Yeah. Like you said, undergrad is such a complicated time because it's kind of your first time out in the world. There's suddenly infinite choice, near infinite choice. And you have to decide very quickly. (laughs) And there's so many different influences on you of different voices saying this, different voices saying that. 
and it really can can get to you. It it got to me of just all these conflicting voices telling me what I should do, what I should not do, what's what's gonna be lead me to prosperity, what's not, what's like good for the world, what's not. And there's these, all these battles going on as you're just trying to figure out like how do I want to be in the world, you know? Mm. Um, and so I think my all the mentors that I kind of look back to and I'm talking about now are people who who saw me. And I think we need people. We need other people's eyes because there's so much of ourselves that we can't. And I think that's that's really the beautiful gift that people have given me is that they've seen me and told me what they've seen, you know. And I I, I literally thrive off of that. I wouldn't be who I am without that. Because, yeah, we're so blind to ourselves in a lot of ways and undercut ourselves in a lot of ways. And that's, that's, that's the gift that I want to keep giving. You know, I feel like I've been seeing, I want to keep doing the seeing um, because it's been so essential to who I am, so healing to who I am. Um, I love what you just said. Tell me what they've seen. Like they've been able to tell you what they've seen. Mm-hmm. And so in turn, you want to take that gift that you've been given and give it to others. And I think that is, you know, it's, it's weird because you even mentioned like being a militant atheist, which I feel like is so much more common uh, in in finding people in mm-hmm. our sort of group than I first assumed it would be. I guess yeah. for I, I'd like to know what your preconceived sort of like thoughts were prior to starting school about people. Because I know for me, I was like, I'm going to be the only person that's never read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Or I'm oh, going to no. be the only person <laughs> that's ever been like, no, that that just seems wrong. So mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that you bring that up. And I'm curious kind of to know what your thoughts were about yourself and how others were going to perceive you and how you mm-hmm. were perceiving others maybe on the front end. I am the other person who has not read the Bible. <laughs> so yeah, we're in it together. And, uh, Isn't that a crazy thing? Like here we are, <laughs> like here we are in seminary and we're literally reading, like I'm reading Old Testament for the first time and I'm, mm. I'm just like, wow. So this is what they talk about. <laughs> I feel like I'm finally in on the club. Like, I don't know about right? you, but right? I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but. Yeah, I think that's, wow, there's so, so much to talk about here. Um, <laughs> But yeah, in the club, and I think really learning a language. Like my mom, she's become pretty religious in these past few years, during times when I was anti-religious. <laughs> um, and so there was always kind of that disconnect between us of like, she has this language that I don't associate with, that I may even like disdain. <laughs> um, and I feel like I've come to a place now where I've learned the language, I've learned the terms, and something interesting has happened in that, like, we can speak the same language now, but you can still tell that we have different understandings of all the terms. So it's this weird place where we can suddenly meet in the middle with this language, but it still allows for our own personal understanding. And I think that's what, that's, it's kind of a blessing and a, and a curse of like this. Which I feel di- like is a major theme language. in the Bible. Like, yeah, you know, these yeah. blessings and curses that mm-hmm. we've um, been introduced, I'll say introduced for us, that we've been introduced to because it's our first time. But I think you bring up a really interesting point about language mm-hmm. and how you guys were 
are operating with different sets of languages for describing and discerning, I guess. And I think that what you said about meeting her in the middle, like, I think that that's such a, a great way to view where we kind of all are and how we all have to meet in that middle. Because I am curious, like, what your thoughts are when it comes to well, what is religion and what is spirituality yeah. and what is their relationship to one another? And is one necessary in order to have the other or can they be mutually exclusive? Uh, because with what you're saying with your mom, you know, with her being more religious, I'm curious, like if that's how she practices, if it's more about like how she practices her spirituality that makes her more religious or mm. yeah, just like kind of what your thoughts are on that. I think if you would ask me, like some years ago, if my mom was religious or spiritual, I think I would, I would, I would, she's obviously both, but I think I would focus more on her religiousness. But I think with the pandemic, with all of us stuck in our houses, with all of us not being able to go to our places of worship, I'm realizing how deeply spiritual my mom is. And I think for me, being religious just meant like, going to church every Sunday, kind of participating in these rituals and this structure. But I think I'm beginning to see how my mom has really shaped the way she lives through her faith. And I think that's what spirituality is to me. It's a, it's a shaping of the self, you know, using a, a tradition to shape yourself, using the wisdom of a tradition to shape yourself. You know, ask yourself certain questions and choose to live your life in a certain way, which I think can sometimes get lost in the whole, like, just going to church on every Sunday. There's something more to it. And something, I would say, larger than any one tradition as well. And I think she gets a lot of meaning and value out of the Christian language. The feeling. Yeah, the religion, yeah. The religion, sure. yeah. The religion, yeah, the religion, for sure. I think it's, I'm, I think, yeah, I think Howard Thurman actually said this, uh, was that he was more interested, and I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing him here, but... Um, that he was more interested in following like the ministry of Jesus versus the religion that mm -hmm. was created about him. And I think that's like a really, like one, that's a really strong statement. That's a really mm -hmm. bold statement to say, but also just like, given what we've been learning, I don't know about you, but with all of these ancient near Eastern uh, traditions and myths, and I say folklore, it's, it's really had me think more about what Thurman said about, you know, he's more interested in following the, like the ministry and the teachings versus mm -hmm. the religion that was made up about him. And I wonder if so much of what we think we're supposed to be doing is based on that constructed, right, what you're saying, like the rituals, the practice, the tradition, which I don't think that those are a bad thing to have. Yeah, not know? at all. Yeah. I but I do wonder where where we started to care more about the maybe like religiosity versus mm -hmm. the like actual relationship. Yeah, it's a weird thing because the two definitely feed off of each other. Like it, it really is hard to unpair them from each other. I, I'm not sure like at what point the, the, did we make this turn? I, I, it almost doesn't feel like a turn. It's almost like we've emptied it out of the... Like what happens beyond the church wall? Like what's the church outside a church, you know? That thing of like making one particular space the holy space. Mm, you know? Right. And like one particular space, like this is where the work happens. But like, no, like church is where you, uh, my pastor back in Los Angeles that I ended up spending some time with, 
he said that like the churches should be like the laboratory or like this is practice for how we live in the world you know mm -hmm. like this is just the this is just shooting hoops in the gym you know oh i love that this is the meeting place this is right. the meeting place. exactly yeah exactly. i like that i like the training um in a sense because we are meant to serve others you know i mm -hmm. think that you and i given what we're doing right now like we understand that our purpose or our assignment is to, like to serve others so i think that's a great way to metaphorically put it absolutely because also your working teamwork is so crucial for sports yeah. obviously and you know maybe to say religion is like a sport is a bad thing <laughs> maybe i shouldn't make that uh, statement but in some in some ways it's like are Christians on the same team? That's real. I don't know. I mean, are we on the same team? You know, are, are Christians on the same team as those who live and practice a spiritual life? You know, like, are we on the same team? Do we have the same under, and it's not necessarily even having, I think like the same understanding. How I would describe God is probably very different from how you would right. describe God, which right. is, which is okay. Right. But yeah, I which do. is even beautiful. Like yes. it's beautiful that we can both see these little slices of God and it's, and we can still connect over that, even though we have different views. I wonder if people would actually consider the majority of, and I'll just use Americans for now, but if people would consider the majority of Americans, if they either identify as Christian or spiritual or otherwise, like if they would actually consider the non-religious people and the people that mm -hmm. truly are just walking a spiritual life, like are those people on your team? And if they're not on your team, why, why aren't they on your team? Or what makes right. them not part of your, your circle, I guess? And I think that's kind of like the challenge that God puts forth, the challenge mm -hmm. that that, that's the work of our spirituality is to how do we continue to open up our idea of who's on our team? How do we realize that like, oh, we're all, we've always been on the same team. There's this quote I've been searching for the longest time to who wrote this quote and where I found it. <laughs> There's this quote that says something along the lines of the project of heaven, God's project of heaven is not complete until Satan himself is welcomed through the gate. This idea of God is the union of opposites. It's, mm -hmm. it's reaching across those, those things that we think, you know, divide us. Like, What's good, devil? Come on. Come on home. <laughs> right? That's so funny that you bring up that because I actually watched this Irish guy talk at a, uh, like a spiritual conference or something. And he was recounting this dream of his friend where he sees St. Paul at the gates of heaven. And he's saying, come on, it's like he's towing this line of he's either going to step into heaven and, you know, be with this group of people, or he looks behind him and he sees all of, you know, he sees his, his friends that are Buddhist, he sees his friends that are Hindu, mm -hmm. he sees his friends that are atheists, you know, he sees them behind him. And he's like, Paul, I'm actually, I'm going to stay on this yeah, side of I'm the gonna, line. Like he doesn't enter. I'm going to go chill with the homies. <laughs> yeah, he's going to go chill with the homies, right? And so I think like that's such, like, and I, I listened to where did we, where did we start to think that it was just about us, I guess. And again, I, I don't, just like you, I don't have much experience in um, organized religion, um, specifically like church institutions. So I don't, I'm not really positive of yeah. what that answer could entail, but I, I am like, when did we think it was just about us, you know, and not about 
as Howard Thurman would say, like the disinherited, right? Mm. Um, how did it, how did we shift or when did we shift? That's something I think about a lot is like, when did we, when did the conscious, when did like the collective happen? conscious shift? Yeah. I wonder if it has any kind of connection to, I don't know, it, it, there's always this dance between like inside and outside, you know, and it's like, Another what? major theme of the Bible. I, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I know that we're just on Old Testament, but I mean, if, if we're thinking about so like that, much. like I think about, right, the 40 years in the desert and like the it, inside and the outside. I mean, I feel like that's just a major theme of that literary work. Yeah. What is our responsibility to people on the outside, the quote unquote outside religion that, that, that pushes us out, out of the nest, you know? Mm -hmm out into the world instead of becoming this kind of insular black hole of of faith you know like it, it's so much more than like community is important like having those those tight-knit groups having church on sunday is great with me that's great but like there has to be something that comes after that there has to be something that comes after doctrine these beliefs we hold in our heart but like what are the implications of those beliefs what do those beliefs look out look like out in the world today's episode of Jezebel Goes to Seminary. I am so happy that you were here. I'm so happy that you were part of this conversation. And I think Rodell brings up two really great points for us to think about as we go about the rest of our week. So what are the implications of your beliefs or your faith system or your value system? And what do those beliefs, what do those values, what does that faith look like out in the world? How are you extending and reaching beyond the periphery, beyond the outer edges into places and spaces where typically you wouldn't hang out or typically you wouldn't engage with? So I think he leaves us with a couple of really great questions to think about. And until next week, where we will pick up with the rest of this conversation, I hope that you can remember and never forget how holy and fully loved you are.